Hello and welcome to the very 127th episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, the podcast that's all about board games, board games, and the people who love them. Today, it's me, Matt Lees, joined by Tom Brewster and Ava Foxfort. Hi. Hello. And we've got a bit of a condensed special for you. We've been playing the hot new game, Dune Imperium, uh, and... I think it's quite good. I quite like it. Um, nobody else really thinks that. And so nope. in, in today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about that and coming to some sort of conclusion based on that information. Spoiler, we probably won't. Uh, but we're definitely going to be we're definitely going to be talking about it. And so without it's going to be very scientific. Yeah, it's going to be super scientific. All the pros, all the cons. It's going to be full of words. <laughs> but before we get into words, let's get into worms. Things are about to get spicy, podcast style. Tom, why don't you tell us a little bit about Dune Imperium? We have been playing a little bit of Dune Imperium, designed by Paul Denon and published by Direwolf Games. And Dune Imperium is a pretty spicy game at the moment. Lots of people very excited about it because... It's an exciting merging of deck building and worker placement into a game about Dune. Uh, essentially, in Dune Imperium, you're all vying for control of Dune, the desert planet, scrambling to get points by winning conflicts and swaying houses to your cause. And that makes it sound like original Dune, the board game, the sort of standard Dune, Gale Force 9 Dune. But no, this is very different because whilst it has the trappings of Dune, the setting, the art and the scheming, it's ultimately a resource management game above everything else. Yeah, it's nothing um, like a cool original June, or if you're in America, uh, ranch sauce dressing flavored June. <laughs> cool ranch <laughs> June. I hear that under the surface of June, the desert planet, there are vast, vast swathes of cool ranch oh, sauce yeah, pools everywhere. Of the stuff. That... Pools of the stuff. <laughs> That's what the worms. Eat. The ranch must flow. We've all heard the saying. <laughs> if that, like, if. We could sell Doritos now. The ranch must flow as a strapline for their tie-in Doritos bags for the <laughs> Denis Villeneuve movie. I'm really worried people are actually going to think that we're starting to genuinely be sponsored by Doritos because oh, like, hasn't Quinn's done this joke in uh, in his Rococo review oh, fairly recently? I mean, like, yeah, probably. I think it's just the hive <laughs> mind of I. You know, I haven't even eaten Doritos for what must be a decade. So we should get um, we should get back on track. Doritos Imperium uh, <laughs> is a game that exists um essentially i should really lay out what this game is because each turn of dune imperium involves you playing cards from a deck that you build over the course of the game but playing those cards lets you go to spaces on the board maybe to pick up some some cool original ranch uh, or to get some water or to trash cards from your deck or to pay resources to do other things like get a new worker or gain more currency to buy more cards with later on and later on in the game, you'll get cards that not only let you go to new spaces, but you'll also be able to get stuff from those cards to make little combos. And all of this comes to a sort of end of turn throwdown where each player faces off in a battle that'll get you more resources and maybe some points. Uh, it's 10 points to win and lots of them are around in those late game conflicts. And that's where like the juice of the game is because it's risky to commit troops because you'll likely waste resources and time. But if you win... It's big points time. Here's the thing, though. Here's the... I will unearth the lead 
this all sounds good and I thought it was going to be good, but I don't really know if I would recommend anyone leap out of their chair and purchase a copy of Dune Imperium because I don't think I'm sold on the hype for this game. That's understandable. And I think um, in some ways I'm quite glad that Quinns isn't on this podcast because the first time I played it, I played it with you and Quinns who were both quite cold on it at the end of the game. Um, and I quite like it. But I also appreciate that I understand why I like it. And I also understand why it's not maybe that exciting or interesting. And I feel like I'm put into an awkward position where um, against a kind of like frosty tornado, I, I now have to put up some sort of some sort of valiant fight um, for my passion <laughs> for like beige jumpers. You know, it's like it's <laughs> it's, it's an incredibly... Um, workmanlike design you know it's it's i felt like actually as a, as a game design it was sharp it was clean i enjoyed a lot of the process but i f i would find it very hard to argue against um the idea that there was anything about the design that was especially interesting or exciting so wh why are you drawn to it what brings you to this the, the amber glow you know because it, it was it was it was enough you know it's it's really difficult to talk about this stuff you know uh, it's fair enough to laugh at it right it was enough it was enough okay listen it's like i think the the part i struggle with especially i think at our outlet where we we do have a tendency to actually have like interesting thoughts about things um or observations about humans and play and or observations about game design traits etc um or, or just being really excited about something being so fresh and so innovative. It means that when we do stumble across games which do not really feature any of these things, but are just kind of well-made games, um, it's a double whammy in the fact that like it's none of the things that we would usually get excited about, but also there's very little to say about it that's like super positive. So it's 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 quite interesting, right? I think it's a, a really interesting thing that like if somebody says this game was okay, but a little bit boring, right? A game can be slightly boring in its design whilst also being really well-made and quite functional. Mm. Um, and, but those two statements are not equally weighted, right? Um, if if you're to say like, look, it's, you know, not especially interesting. It's not, um, not very innovative. It's not very exciting. And I say, no, but it's, you know, it's, it's got some mechanics that interlink in a way that's fun and the theming works quite well with the thing and and you know it's it's a fun process i've i've played it twice now maybe three times and i like it like i like it <laughs> maybe don't like it enough to shout from the rooftops and be like this is amazing and again i i you know it's it's interesting to me that it's something that's receiving a lot of hype uh i try and exist outside of that vacuum if i can i don't really know what's going on in the world of hype within um, any medium, because I find that everything gets a bit easily soured or easily overhyped yeah, based yeah. on that. But I liked it. I can see why people like it. I found it quite fun to play. I really enjoyed the worker placement element and the fact that it really did feel like choosing the order of what you did and choosing where to go felt like it always felt like a really tough decision um, mm -hmm. because there was just constant jostling for the positions of the spots you wanted and the fact that you have these cool mechanics like i'll talk about some of the stuff i like like i really like the fact that when you have these different locations on the board that you can send your workers to some of them are to do with the factions that get you uh reputation with those factions and get you specific 
abilities that can do things that kind of loosely work with the uh, the universe theming. Like you go and see the Fremen if you want to have access to water. Uh, and then if you go and see the Spacer Guild and then they give you can get cards that let you basically go anywhere in the galaxy. Um, and then you've got, you know, the Benny the benny jesserits good old benny um who are just a bit <laughs> mysterious and mean and uh, get rid of things from your deck and then you've got the the kind of spaces which are the kind of the worlds where you can actually have these little combats taking place and the ones that take place on the desert planets including june the desert planet <laughs> it may in fact just be june the desert planet that's the desert planet you're fighting over um it is just June, the desert planet. It's just yeah. June, yeah. but that's enough. Don't be, don't be greedy. That's enough. It's June, <laughs> all right. Fill your boots <laughs> with sand. But those spots, which I believe there are three or four of, if no one goes to one of them in a turn, then it will accrue more spice naturally because the worms, after they've had their fill of cool original ranch sauce, will will spit up more <laughs> spice into the surface. I've read all the books. Um, chili heat wave. The chili heat wave spice comes out. Um, I found that was really nice because it meant that you really were constantly. I was looking at resources around the table. Like, you know, water is quite hard to come by. And some of these spots, if you want to go and get some spice, you have to have water to do it. And there was this lovely flow of being like, ah, I've got two water, which means I'm the only person this turn who can go to that space, which means maybe I should go to it. But then you're like, a little voice in your head's like, oh, you could not. You could go to it at the start of next turn because then you get more spice. But then, of course, somebody else gets more water and suddenly you're going, I've made a huge mistake. Um, and I found there was a lot of that in terms of the resources, in terms of having these spaces and, and keeping an eye on what resources everyone else had because it actually showed you what spaces you were competing for. And for me, it led to some really interesting decisions every turn in terms of how I was going to play my cards and how I was going to play my worker placement stuff and the order in which I was going to do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's made by some of the people who did some of the Clank stuff. So it's just a solid deck builder as well. Like, it's not an exciting deck builder. Um, and I think it kind of can't be in a way because usually exciting deck builders get their their thrill by going full turbo off a cliff and just letting you do some really insane combo stuff yeah. you know? um whereas in this you kind of can't you have to be a bit restricted because otherwise <laughs> the economic puzzle is just gonna break um but there was some interesting stuff within that i think i think what is interesting is there are elements of design that are stronger and weaker and i think i naturally luckily lean towards the more fun elements of the game. Whereas I think, Tom, when you played it the first time, and Ava, you did the same thing. I'd be interested to know if you've got the same thoughts about it. Lean towards mechanics which were less satisfying. So I went for mechanics <laughs> such as like thinning out my deck and um, going for tools that let me draw more cards during my turn and keep drawing new things, which added to the excitement. And it also made the puzzle more interesting because it meant I was constantly having an adapted in point an adapted kind of set of options uh for what i was going to do with my next action whereas tom i think the first time you did it you concentrated on the mainly fremen based cards which i did rather than having actions that when you played them did something were activated by being cards that were left over in your hand at the end of your round which you then placed down on the table 
and would yeah. affect the bonuses you were going to get in both the big fight at the end and also uh, the kind of influence points you could spend at the card shop. Yeah, pretty much. There's there's an important thing to talk about here, which is that Dune has sort of two phases. It has the worker placement phase where you play cards to put workers down, but at any point someone can switch to do their reveal where they reveal all the cards left in their hand and get those bonuses on the bottom, which will mostly be to do with fighting that combat. But one thing I found it frustrating because... So I wanted to build my deck around Fremen cards. And because the market is five cards big and each turn it gets replenished with new ones, but it's only five big, you have no guarantee that you'll get other Fremen cards, which will work by this strange Fremen bond system, where if you've got multiple of those cards out, they combo together in exciting ways. But that barely happened. And when it did happen, it happened at the end of the game. And on turns when there wasn't a Fremen card available, it felt like I was just adding guff to my deck that i was just buying because i had the money for it um and i think that's what kind of frustrates me about dune imperium as a game was that those two halves the worker placement i didn't find that exciting it felt like i looked at where it wasn't taken i picked the best option out of those um or i had a very specific thing i wanted to do and then when that wasn't available i work for what the next best thing is it didn't really feel like i had much of a plan turn by turn because you're getting a random selection of cards each time and then the deck building on top of that, I don't know how satisfying I found any of that either because there was still a very good chance I would pull a hand of nonsense from my deck of cards that I started with, with few ways to get rid of those. Because a thing that's important is that on the board, I think there's maybe one space that you can go at the start of the game that lets you trash cards. And no, there's two spaces that let you trash cards. And if Matt, you know, if one player is playing a strategy where they're thinning out their deck, which is what you were doing, you were trashing cards, it does kind of mean that other people can't. <laughs> to a degree, um, yeah. It's like, obviously, yeah, um, to a degree. stuff that pops up in the shop, there were lots of cards that let you des- destroy mm. cards as well. I think in the first game we played, uh, we had the issue of the, the, the card shop kept getting clogged up with very high-cost cards, which no one could really afford. Um, mm. So there were fewer options, which is always gonna be a luck of the draw but i get it it's I, I feel like it is one of those games where depending on the strategy you take it is going to affect not how well you're going to do in the game necessarily um but it's def- definitely going to affect how much fun you're going to have during the game. <laughs> yes which is but that's, a, that. that's that's a terrible decision to give people like do you yeah wanna, do no, you want to have fun especially as like one of my biggest problems with the game like i i agree this game is like pretty solid it's got like a couple of the the number of different currencies and the number of things that control what you can and can't do on the board are a little bit interesting but like the board the actions themselves are really boring like really <laughs> like I, I didn't feel like pursuing anything was particularly exciting or thrilling so for the first like third to half of the game i was just like i don't really know what i want to do here because everything's a bit dull and yeah and if you're saying that like oh actually there are a couple of routes through the board that are interesting like that's that's great but it's not great that just means there's only one way to have fun and particularly in a game where those spaces are limited maybe only one person's gonna have that fun I don't know. That's a bit hard. Yeah, no, I don't think it's to do with necessarily to do with the board spaces that are fun either. I think it's to do with um, it's kind of that thing. It's, it's, it has elements in this which I usually we get really frustrated with in games, and the fact that really what you're looking is, despite the fact that a quarter of the board is set up for this space, which is the battle zone that you're going to have these different fights at the end of each turn on, and despite the fact that yeah, a lot of the points you're going to get are going to be get coming from 
especially towards the end of the game, winning some of these conflicts. Um, really, the game is just a pure economic puzzle. And it is just a case of trying to understand what the different resources do and what they're for and how they interact. And I definitely agree that for the first couple of rounds, um, we all just felt a little bit lost because you're just like, I've got a... I'll spend us two of these spices to get some money. What do I want this for? And it wasn't until the end of the game that I started to go, okay, I get it now. Like money is really useful early on when you can go to this sort of shop area at the top and spend it on things. But actually, once you've unlocked a lot of the good stuff from that shop, um, you don't really need money. And then it's like, you know, spice is really valuable. Water is really valuable and really rare throughout. And getting a flow of, of things at the right time and... What I felt like worked quite well within the design was the fact that it did give the sense of an actual kind of uh, like merchant and resource-based conflict. And the fact that, okay, let's just say, for example, that like I go, I go crazy and I get loads of spice, right? Um, now, in the early game, you got loads of spice. There's different things you could do with it. Maybe you want to sell it for money. Maybe you want to do something else. But later on... Like, you don't need any more money. You don't want to sell the spice. And so really, you might have some stuff you can do with the spice on your cards, but probably what you're going to want to do is there are a couple of spaces to do things. And it's just that that race to getting to those spaces of being like, that sense of being like, I've I've accrued a lot of wealth here, but if I can't be the person who gets to the space spacing guild and, and gives them all of this money so they can drop in a bunch of troops and water onto this planet that I, so I can win this fight, then I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Which I thought was like, I think is in a thematic space game, I thought was quite cool. Because honestly, mm. that's kind of what it's going to come down to at the end of the day. It's like, I've got the money, but can I pay the mercenaries before the other people pay the mercenaries? Um, <laughs> which is, again, not very interesting, but it did feel thematically like it landed. Um, I think and I guess just... I was overcoming that by making friends with the Fremen and having a load of sandworms show up to those battles that meant even though I wasn't making it to those spaces, I managed to 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 beat Pip um, two, two battles in a row uh, by doing that. That is the thing. Because I think that's the problem is Tom did the same thing, right, in the in the first game. And I, I, I do feel like, um, and I, I'm not going to argue, like I think it's a, it's a failure of design, but I feel like in trying to make the different kind of classes of cards um interesting they've done it so for example the Benny Gesserit cards good old bennies uh fremens with Benny Gesserits and all that um you <laughs> the good old bennies what they do is they'll have card mechanics whereby you play a card and then it will say on another card like when you play it if you already have a Benny Gesserit card in play yeah. then also do this now that's fun right that's a combo because it means you can be like well I'll play this first and then when I play this one second uh you're going to get this bonus now, because I was doing that, because Bene Gesserit cards are also the cards that of, often the combos are pick up more cards, having any of those in your hand or just a couple of them makes the game so much more interesting because mm. A, you have got that like, you pick up a hand that's kind of rubbish, but then you use one of your mechanics to draw another card and then you get one card and you think I can work with this. But then you have to completely make some really interesting decisions based on the fact that you think, well, to get the most out of my turn, I need to play this card before I play this card, but this card can't activate the areas on the board that I actually want to most urgently. So you have to really mm. start making tough decisions of do I take the risk of the spot I need being taken or do I play in a more cautious way or more reckless way maybe that will allow my turn to be longer than other people's. Because going last as well could be quite interesting sometimes because it means you can 
in some ways in the early parts of the game define how the turns are going to pan out but the issue is that in trying to make the different factions more interesting as we say the fremen cards do a similar thing of comboing together but they combo together based on the end of the round and the thing about that is there's no tactics to that you know it's not like i have these three bene Gesserit cards the order in which i play them is going to dramatically affect not just the worker placement phase of the game, but dramatically affect the bonuses I'm going to get along the way, which might completely change the things I can do, which means you've got this really interesting cerebral puzzle, whereas with Fremen, it's just like, I hope I draw my Fremen cards so at the end of the turn I can drop them on the table <laughs> and win a thing. And I think that's that sucks. Like, And I think that's that's an issue, right? Because, And it's an interesting one because I've played the game the first time I went big on Bene Gesserit cards. The second time I tried to do something different and get some Spacer Guild cards, trying to remove cards from my deck more than just going for the big deck and loads of draw. And mm. I still ended up going towards getting some of the Bene Gesserit cards because they're just fun. They're interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I feel like it's a weird game where like there's going to be one or two people in every game of this who plays it and is like, this is a really fun game. But yeah, I don't know. It's odd. I feel like if mm. you go all in because in deck building games you tend to have that kind of purity thing of being like i'm just gonna, i'm just gonna get these but i think actually in this like that's not really what you should do you just get a couple of each of them i don't know i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know but that's this leads to like one of my other big problems with it which is that like all of those options and all of those strategic things are coming from this this quite thin market uh which is the entire deck so it's completely random what's going to come up whether you're going to be get anything that you want when you want it and you also can't see it initially you only get to see a little sliver of it at a time so you don't have that thing that like you know the main reason why the reason why like most traditional deck builders are exciting is because they've got like a huge array of cards and at the beginning of the game you get all of them out and you put them in front of you and you get to be like right these are the options that are available this game i'm going to pick a route through that and and this kind of hides that stuff from you so you don't really know what's going to be available and you don't know what it's going to be able to pay off like i there wasn't enough fremen cards for my cards to get for my deck to get as good as i wanted it to be even though i landed like a couple of turns where everything came out at the right time and that was great but i couldn't just go fremen because there were no fremen cards like half of the time and yeah that encourages you to go in different directions but just because they're not i don't know you it's just going to be very random whether you've got what you want and what you're interested in and all of none of that stuff is visible at the beginning of the game so you don't have any kind of strategy and so like i think it's a solid game it just felt a little bit aimless one thing that i really like is like the points are chunky like you know getting one victory point <laughs> getting one or two victory points ahead of, of people is powerful but also can be lost quite easily like i pulled out and got like two things ahead and i really have been like thinking back to the fact that oh no wait a second i know exactly what i should have done in that last turn to stop myself from losing and i didn't do it and that was very silly but i was like oh wow i'm two points ahead if i can just get one point more then i'm gonna i'm gonna make it and i spent that whole turn looking for that one point and i couldn't get it and that's frustrating but you know that's fun that was interesting 
it yeah. feels strange to me because it feels like this is a, it's a game where it has lots and lots and lots of systems that are all playing into each other that work that that sort of work and that adds up to something that i think does sort of work as a whole like yeah. the worker placement like it's it's solid it's fine and then like the deck building it's fine i wish that you could see more of the cards it, it's fine and then the combat like is is also fine towards the end of the game it becomes very very hard to work out who's coming first and i think that each of those things just undercuts how satisfying the other one is almost like you say these you know the points are really chunky and they are chunky but then sometimes they can just swing from one side to the other really quickly Mm. because someone got a lucky draw of these plot cards that come out of the deck or because someone just had the right thing in their hand and it's completely random whether you can work that out i just found each each element i went into it thinking oh that's really cool that's really clever and then as soon as that element actually started to play out over the course of a whole game i realized that there wasn't actually as much satisfaction to the system as i thought there would be when reading the rules and it it comes down to to me like it's a game that marries you know the the secrets and backstabbing of dune it's got worker placement and it's got um deck building would i not just rather play any one like a, a excellent game in an in one of those other in one of those individual categories than this and the answer is like yeah 100 yeah. i'd rather play a really really solid worker placement game than dune imperium I'd, re- I'd much rather play a really solid deck builder and i'd much rather play original dune if i want each of those individual branches because marrying them together isn't that satisfying in the end yeah, and that, you know, I think that's completely fair enough. I think for me, it's like a, I, I, I kind of feel like as a design, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty kind of trashy, and it's, it's like, it's like <laughs> solid, but in a kind of trashy and junk foody kind of way. And I completely agree <laughs> that it's like, no, it doesn't have the, 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 the kind of cleanliness and bite and purity of a really, really amazing deck builder game or a really really amazing worker placement game but like i do still like i really quite like it and it's funny how i completely agree with everything you're both saying (laughs) Uh, i think maybe what it comes down to is that like actually when it comes to it like i'm on paper i'm interested in strategy but i'm not really a very strategic person if i'm completely (laughs) honest like I, i like the idea of being a strategic person but i'm a i'm a tactical person and for mm. me, I can really see this being very frustrating as a strategic game because there's so much um, unknown information. You've got these like these plot cards that you draw, these little cards that might give you one-off bonuses, which might be anything from this is kind of useless, but I guess I'll have it, to this is actually game-changing. And then you've also got the fact that you don't really know what the next battle is going to even be worth. So should you send yeah. all of your troops in now when it might be that next round it's going to be way better to do so? There's a lot of unknowns. And if you're trying to make plans that go any further ahead than the turn you're on, then, yeah, that's it's just not going to shake out for you. But on, as a tactical basis, um, I found that on a turn-by-turn basis of just looking at what I currently had and deciding what I wanted to do, I felt like there were just a bunch of interesting choices. Like, And I can completely see the frustration of not tying together in a cohesive way that allowed you to have any sense of momentum. And I think the aimless point... Ava is, is really kind of bang on in that way. But uh, I did find that it was like as a thing to keep looking at the board and keep thinking about what I wanted to turn and making those decisions. I found it really engaging and I really enjoyed it. And I can completely see why a lot of people like it because it's not, 
Um, you know, I don't think this is a game that people are going to be talking about in, in 10 years time. But at the same time, um, I had a really fun time with it. It was a fun time. And that, that's the thing is like, I can, I can see, uh, for me, I feel like maybe I'm just, my edges are just uh, are starting to soften off. Maybe not in a good way, but uh, I'm starting to look at this and be like, <laughs> I will not argue that this is a great design, but like, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. If I was at a convention sure, and someone was like, sure. do you want to play this? I'd be like, yeah, I'll play it. So that's my test with games. <laughs> uh. <laughs> there you go. That's the the ultimate conclusion on Gene Imperium. Yeah, is, I'll play so, it. Yeah, yeah, I'll play it. <laughs> I mean, but I would say that literally everyone else in the team was pretty unimpressed with this. So don't listen to me just because I've talked about it a lot. Okay. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is solid and engaging. I would play it again. I definitely wouldn't buy it. Um, I might not want to play it more after that second time. But I do want another go to see whether there's a little bit more bite in there. But like, there's just there is just better options in every direction. That this, it, all of the things that this did that were interesting, there's definitely something else that does it better. You know, Arctic Scavengers does the deck building with a bit of conflict um, yep, at the yep. end of each round better. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's so many... Oh, I don't know. I, I I quite want to play the other June game now. <laughs> I'm going to say, like, I, I've just become a bit mystified by, like, the idea of, like, uh, of cool original source flowing beneath the surface of June. And so I was going to think, like, if you were going to... If you were going to tie together June with anything as part of a an advertising campaign, but it had to be to do with the big worms. Uh, like, I, I, I've, I've got a phrase in my head, the crunch must flow. Uh, like crunch must flow. what products are you gonna do uh what pretzels product? pretzels the crunch must flow pretzels the crunch must flow i mean is pretzels <laughs> a brand i mean it doesn't really matter i'm thinking toothpaste could be a good tie-in for what, the worms. crunch must flow no you don't have to use the crunch must flow the paste must flow is pretty unpleasant <laughs> the paste must flow i just don't know imagine, i've just been yeah. yuck honestly though i've just been reading about the fact that like salt the salt that's under the ground is all just like condensed old seas that have like kind of crunched together into this mm. like strata of like tasty tasty salt that has then that been makes sense. for most of the history like the most valuable substance in the world because it's so tasty <laughs> yeah i do feel like it is amazing how much of the good stuff within our world that we rely on and enjoy the most is just old dead stuff that we bury that we dug up from the ground <laughs> whether it's like old dead seas or old dead dinosaurs it's just like look at this cool dead stuff we found can we eat it or burn it <laughs> let's put um, it in the car ferment it ferment it <laughs> Yeah, salt is fascinating. I grew up in, uh, uh, well, went to college in a town called Northwich, which had a salt museum, uh, which was great. <laughs> the Northwich Salt Museum. What, what, what was in the salt museum? Just uh, salt? Salt and information about salt. I don't think I actually <laughs> ever went to uh, the salt museum. I think it had a sign outside that just said famous for salt. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like, you'd never go to the Spice Museum um, on Arrakis, would you? <laughs> no, but the salt museum. I mean, that town was famous for salt because it was a salt mining town and uh, it had yeah. great big salt mines underneath it. And actually, amusingly, there was a period where they discovered that the town was sinking. And there was a great bit of graffiti on a bridge which said, Northwich is sinking, uh, comma, let it. 
Um, and <laughs> it's actually quite a nice place now. Somebody uh, pointed out to me that actually Northwich now has its very own board gaming cafe, which is Ooh. blows my mind because when I was growing up there, the only things to do there was McDonald's, the Weatherspoons, or the cinema, and that was kind of your options. Or, wait, or the Salt Museum, or the Salt Museum. Weirdly, didn't get the love it should have done. But, uh, All the kids hanging around the Salt Museum. Our, our cinema closed down when I was like seven. Oh. Um, so like we didn't even have that. We just had yeah, a million one. pubs and a McDonald's. This one closed down when I was when I, before I left. I think it was a pretty yeah. sad place at that time. But anyway, it was sinking, and they actually the solutions they had to stop it sinking were exactly the same ones they had as a joke in The Simpsons of Do we fill it with trash? Do we fill it with concrete? <laughs> or do we literally just move the entire town like ten miles down the road? Um, they were the options they were genuinely considering but it's still there um but yeah Slightly i think further northwich i think a dune worm could have solved that whole problem just put a dune worm in there i mean it'll eat you does it not eat people if you make too much noise uh, that weatherspoons is going to be going down wasn't that tremors <laughs> straight that away the same thing Tremors also has of, noise it, worms, but generally yeah. worms in sand like noise. That's the trope, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Like worms in everything like like noise. Like you can yeah. you can you can rustle up worms in your own garden if you just tap at the floor a little bit. Yeah, let's not generalize. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's a, a wrap up for the for the for the Junecast Matt versus the people. Uh, <laughs> And obviously this podcast was sponsored by Colgate Spice Flavor. The paste must flow. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then you can do us a favor by going and subscribing on iTunes or whatever platform of your choice you have. If you want to write us a review on iTunes or wherever else you can write reviews, I don't really understand the infrastructure of podcasts in 2021. Um, or you could just tell somebody else about the podcast and say, hey, I like this podcast. It's about uh, board games and, and, and there's a guy in it who likes them but doesn't really understand why. Um, <laughs> then you could do those things. Uh, as a reminder, for 2021, we're going to be doing uh, stuff every week. There's going to be a new video every week. There's going to be a new stream every week. And there's going to be a new podcast every week. So we'll see you next week. But before we go, just very quickly, Tom, <gasps> you got a little a little quick tease about what your video has been this week on the website that people can watch now. It's going to be all about very small games that you can put in your wallet pocket and play with your pals. A game that you can put in your pocket? That's revolutionary. <laughs> I've it's never revolutionary. heard of it. No, yes, I have been diving into the world of wallet games. Uh, they're by a publisher called Buttonshy. They make these tiny little uh, little wallet games with 18 cards. Uh, and they're very, very sweet and very affordable. You can print and play. And I just wanted to say, like, they're wonderful. I was so happy with the experience of just popping them open and playing them with people and having these nice tiny little nuggets of joy that might be not great a couple of them weren't amazing but they might also be like your new favorite tiny little thing and in particular there's a game called uh, in vino morte uh, i can't wait to play that game with real people at a table um <laughs> yeah i've day. played i've played a couple of these i think one i played a few years ago which is not covered in this video but is they're all pretty interesting and good mostly uh it's stew uh which was basically a, a little card game of everyone collectively making a pot of stew for each other mm. and then at some point somebody deciding that they were going to drink the stew but that being wonderful in the fact that basically <laughs> when you drink the stew you're going to get points based on the combinations of things and based on the existence or non-existence of things like i can't remember the specifics but it was like oh you got a carrot in there well if you've also got a chicken then that's going to be great but otherwise it's rubbish but one of the um 
one of the cards was just a stone and it was just like i've, I've put a stone <laughs> in the stew uh and yeah it was just really delightful just putting a stone in a stew and then watching somebody else try and drink it um that does sound delightful lovely and the thing is is that like i can't wait this is the lovely 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 thing about the wallet games is i can't wait to play that uh because it sounds nice and it sounds like a little snack of a game that i can just get to the table and like the time between me hearing about that game and me owning it can literally be like a click because they're all available to print and play for like three quid and if you really like them then you can get the fancy version and i think some of those ones in there are, are really like stellar things that you can just bring with you anywhere and because they sort of set up and pack away themselves oh they're so lovely uh, so Boof. hopefully that video will be out this week boofsh indeed <laughs> boofsh boofsh you heard it here first boofsh um and that's all for the podcast we will see you next friday five o'clock uk time for more of the shut up and sit down podcast thank you very much for listening bye Bye. Goodbye.